This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. You're with Lee Chui Lin and Sharmila Ganesan. Tonight, we're asking, have you ever experienced discrimination? So this comes from a new survey that has found 64% of Malaysians have experienced discrimination in the past year, which is quite a lot of people. So we are asking that very same question. Have you experienced discrimination in Malaysia? That number to call is 7733-2900. Tweet us at BFM Radio and send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U-Mobile number 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story. Is 608. So we're going to be saying discrimination a lot. I apologize. It's just, um, it's what the survey is called. It's what it was um, recording. So that's where we are. But the survey in question is the 2023 Malaysian Discrimination Situation Survey. And it was conducted by um, the Architects of Diversity Malaysia. And it revealed, like we said, 64% of Malaysians have experienced discrimination in the past year. Now, we've spoken to Architects of Diversity a fair amount on the station, but in case you're not familiar with them, they are a non-profit that aim to bridge communities and identity groups, uh, particularly among Malaysian youth, for justice, peace and a sustainable future. The survey uh, had 3,238 respondents. So it is worth looking up the full report and uh, reading it if, if you're interested. It's on their website. But some things that stood out, right? So if we look at the types of discrimination that uh, the report looked at, socio- 38% of people spoke about uh, being discriminated against because of their socioeconomic status, 33% uh, because of age, 32% of people um, said they were discriminated against because of ethnicity. Um, meanwhile, um, when it comes to religious faiths, Hindus said, 40% of Hindus said they were discriminated against, 26% of Christians, 22% of Buddhists and 20% of Muslims. Meanwhile, gender, 27% of women said they face discrimination, 21% of men. So I think some of what we're talking about is quite... um sadly entrenched in that you don't necessarily need to be from that identity group to have been able to identify that it's a problem. So for example Indian people uh, faced more race discrimination when looking for a job. Um, So they rate 51% there. Uh, Housing, as we know, this is a perennial problem 35% and also when uh, in in interactions with the police. So that's 21%. Uh, Meanwhile, respondents also experienced, uh, in their words, the most discrimination on social media. So here we're talking about spaces in which you encounter Mm. discrimination. So on social media was 32%. Looking for a job, again, not surprising, 30 uh, And at work, 29%. So a lot of um, more granular details about the type of discrimination um, at work, right? So um, when you look at what sort of discrimination happens in the workplace, the highest are because of working conditions and then salary. Now, 
It emerges that workers from East Malaysia are more likely to face discrimination in terms of employment conditions. That's about 72% of them. Meanwhile, Malays and Indians are more likely to face discrimination uh, when it comes to wages as compared to other races. 60% of Indians said this, 56% of Malays. So something, we've been talking a lot of numbers. Um, I'd like to just bring in something more, uh, maybe more personal or maybe more emotive because one thing that interested me was that every religious faith felt that they were the most persecuted, which I think is, mm. is interesting and worth knowing because then we, we understand that everybody's in the same boat because this is a thing. Um, it, it's part of the survey as well that while um, different religious faiths experienced or um, experienced different amounts of discrimination, when it came to feeling, um, people of different religions all felt that their religion was in fact the most persecuted. So I think that that gives you some sense also of uh, perception and how people perceive discrimination. Actually, what struck out to um, to me also was that 55% of people chose not to report being discriminated against because of lack of evidence, as well as issues of time and issues of money, um, which I think is, is quite telling, right? Because how do you solve a problem? How do you put in place things that would prevent these things from happening if more than half of the people who in, who are involved just feel that there's that they're not able to bring this to light. Now, that's on a personal level. If you take a look at what's happening on a governmental level, Jason Wee, who's the Executive Director of Architects of Diversity, said that 45% of people were satisfied with the government's initiatives to solve discrimination. 40%, meanwhile, not satisfied. So extremely close percentages there. Um, and they also provide some provided some suggestions on how to address this, including creating laws on the matter and raising awareness. Now, I took a quick look to see what we have in terms of our laws. And it's quite interesting because we do have... So we know that the uh, the housing situation, discrimination when it comes to, to rentals, um, selling, things like that, that as yet is not resolved. But we have... Um, discrimination is mentioned in the constitution uh, in the sense that in our federal constitution, you're not permitted to discriminate um, on people on the basis of, of race, ethnicity, so on. We also have... Uh, labor laws in relation to discrimination. They don't, however, uh, go into that much detail. From, from what I understand, I'm not a lawyer. They don't go into that much detail about how discrimination is defined. And that has actually traditionally been an issue as well. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, this all of these is also why there's been that call to enact a race relations law, right? But that said, this notion of a race relations law is interpreted quite differently depending on which politician is talking about it and what they'd like it to cover. Um, but I wonder whether... I'm just curious about whether something like that would help when it comes to this um, or whether it would end up just muddying the waters a little bit more because race relations is such a sort of lofty way to talk about what ends up being actually very granular day-to-day -day things that happen to people. So all of which to say, we would like to hear from you. Um, since 64% of Malaysians say they have experienced discrimination in the last year, we want to know whether this is something that 
matches up with what you've experienced. Have you experienced discrimination in the country? Uh, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Keep those thoughts coming and keep it here on Inside Story BFM eighty nine point nine. Boring, fake, macho. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.16 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And we're talking today about the experience of discrimination because a new survey from the Architects of Diversity Malaysia found that 64% of Malaysians have experienced discrimination in the last year, which is quite a high number. Maybe not surprising, but high nonetheless. And so we wanted to, to know whether you have experienced discrimination uh, in our country. That number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send us a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899, and tweet us at BFM Radio. So just to reiterate, what the survey, um, the, the kind of discrimination types that the survey looked at, because of course you could go in any which direction here, they looked at socioeconomic status, age, ethnicity, religious faith, and gender. So those are the main areas. Right, so... Um Let's start with this from Hafik, right, who says, I personally face discrimination when only certain genders are allowed to ride specific coaches in the public train. It reinforces the binary and the false notion that women are helpless victims. As a temporary measure, maybe. But what is our country doing to educate men and eradicate toxic masculinity? Um, Hafik, so we actually did a whole um, show on this a couple of weeks ago, if you wanted to look that up. Lots of opinions and thoughts came in. Um, I will say that I agree with you that the temporary measure, perhaps it is a temporary measure. I do think it's a necessary measure as long as we find that there are women uh, being attacked, for instance, which happened just recently. But what I do heartily agree with, though, is that alongside measures like that, we do need to be educating um, essentially that toxic behavior. So I guess what I'm interested in is, um, Hafik, I'm curious whether whether you're actually just making a point about the trains, <laughs> you know, whether this message is really just about saying, I don't agree with the uh, women-only coaches on, on trains, um, or whether you actually feel discriminated against. Because um, the message is it, it kind of, it's a bit of a journey, right? It starts in one place, it ends in another. And I, I agree with you that, you know, educating men, eradicating toxic masculinity or trying to address it, those are worthy measures. But because the question today was about the experience of discrimination, do you actually feel discriminated against when you pass, um, you know, coaches with the sign or when you feel that you can't enter those spaces? Because I, I go back to, I guess, what the survey was trying to measure in terms of discrimination and feeling as if you are disadvantaged by something. No, that's absolutely true, right? Because I do think also that um, sometimes these conversations on um, seeing these conversations happen on social media and so on can can elicit feelings that have less to do with actually having been discriminated against, but sensing it to be some sort of a perceived something is being taken away from me. Um, and I think that actual discrimination means that you're being denied opportunities that you should otherwise be given. Um, this one from Zul is interesting. Zul says, my co-worker saved my name as fat one in his contacts. When I found out 
I was amazed at how straightforward he was about it. Didn't even apologize when he told me that most of his Malay friends are fat anyway. I looked him in the eye, told him this was wrong. I think the pressing issue here is that discrimination has become such a norm that people start thinking it's okay to do it. For instance, calling fat Malay guys Bob as if it's a common thing. Yeah, um, I think that this is actually a very interesting and personal example. Uh, sorry, Zul, that that happened to you. It, it, it mm. does, doesn't really make sense to me uh, why that would be a logical way for somebody to uh, to decide to save um, a contact on a phone but I, I think the the didn't even apologize didn't don't even think anything is wrong uh, speaks back to something within the survey because um, for, it did find that literacy regarding discrimination is actually low which means mm. that um, we are all operating and again this is I, I suppose quite natural we're all operating in a space in which we might all have very different ideas about what is considered discrimination absolutely and I also think that People sometimes get away, and and you know, in this case, it's it's body shaming, it's fat shaming, um, it's also uh, racial. But I think a lot of people tend to get away with this sort of thing by saying, "Oh, you know, it was just a joke. Everybody makes it," um, and that it's just a joke can actually be incredibly difficult to push back against because when you point out that it's hurtful, you then become the humorless person. And so, yeah, I, I am sorry that that happened to you, Zul. And, and I think that's actually a good example of how something that can be seemingly harmless to one person can be incredibly hurtful to another. I've been thinking about this because I, I knew we were going to ask the question this evening, right? About whether, um, again, we're asking you whether you've experienced discrimination um, because a new survey found that 64 percent of Malaysians reported having feel having felt discriminated against in the last year. So does that match up with your experience? Uh, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at PFM Radio. So I, I've been thinking about this because I actually don't, um, especially in the last year, I can't say that I've been discriminated against. I, I can't think of a time actually when when that has happened. In the last year, me neither. Um, I can certainly think back um, and, and I will preface this by saying that I've actually been, I think, very fortunate compared to many others um, to not have been discriminated against because of, say, gender or race. Um, but then sometimes I think we tend to normalize some of those behaviors as well, because I say that, but at the same time, I have memories of um, leaving a job because I was being harassed by a boss. Um, you know, I have memories of people making these coded race jokes and laughing along, even though it was uncomfortable. Um, and that's also a form of discrimination, but then it is one that is so normalized that you don't even acknowledge to yourself that it's not okay. We have a message from Ali who says, yes, I agree on the discrimination. I experienced it this year, in fact, at my former workplace. I wasn't sure if it was about race or if it was about uh, having cable or connection. Um, I'm Malay, I'm a woman. And when I tended a couple of months ago, my COO confronted, uh, told me how sorry they were that they couldn't raise my salary because of the labour costs um, that I had at the centre was a bit below par compared to other centres performance. Um, a month later, my replacement came and was paid 45% more than my salary at the time. Um, 
sure enough, didn't have leadership experience, zero knowledge in using Google Apps, had never drafted a memo or a circular. I felt so used and stupid, but I was glad that I left. Um, I still can't figure out exactly which it was, which um, whether it was race or connections, but my COO did mention on how she needed a specific race to be the face of the centre. That sounds like a tough experience to go through. Um, yeah, and, and I think again, right, when we talk about laws, uh, how would a law address something like this, you know? I often wonder, and, I, and I'm not saying we don't need laws and we don't need policies, but something like this can be quite difficult to put a finger on. What actually happened? Uh, what actually happened, uh, whether you can outright point to specific instances of mm. things happening. I think all of these are complicated questions to ask. Um, so again, discrimination, the experience of discrimination, whether on the basis of uh, socioeconomic status... Uh, your age, your ethnicity, your religion or your gender. Is this something that you've experienced, particularly in the last year? Because according to a new survey, 64% of Malaysians um, surveyed, and that's over 3,000 people who responded, said that they did feel discriminated against in in the last 12 months. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, have you experienced discrimination in the country? That number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We will be back for more of your messages. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Brand-friendly marketeers, BFM 89.9. It is 6.38 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And we're talking today about discrimination, particularly because, or chiefly because, there was a 2023 Malaysian Discrimination Situation Survey that was conducted by Architects of Diversity Malaysia. And it revealed that 64% of Malaysians say that they have experienced discrimination in the past year. So we are asking you, um, do you think Malaysia has a serious problem with this issue of discrimination? Have you ever felt shut out or like you lost opportunities because of your race, religion, gender, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note to 018-789-8899. You can drop us a WhatsApp there as well and tweet us at BFM Radio. So to the messages. Let's start with this from Amira, who says, I'm a young female mixed Malay and Indian lawyer. Personally, I feel like I've been summarily dismissed in professional settings for my age and gender. Unfortunately, there's just a stigma that young lawyers are inferior, and this runs within the profession and it bleeds into the court system as well. When I was an intern, I also received a highly inappropriate sexual joke from a client at a meeting and was told to just brush it off. This almost dissuaded me from practicing as a lawyer, but thankfully, I have a great boss now. Hopefully, I can help empower the future women lawyers of Malaysia now. Hopefully, Amira. I, I love that. And I think that that's a fantastic thing to aspire towards. Um, I also think that, unfortunately, I wish that your story weren't common. It, it mm. bums me out that it's common because as I was listening to you uh, or listening to your message, I was just nodding. Um, and I imagine that that's a reaction that you're going to get from a lot of people just listening to this, um, having heard a wildly inappropriate joke and being told to laugh it off or being told, uh, I mean, are you even qualified to do this? How old are you anyway? You know, mm. did you just graduate from kindergarten or what? Like th these are things that you hear about all the time, actually. And that, that, I've had spoken to me as well. 
Um, I am glad that you have a great and supportive boss, um, but I also think that it shouldn't have to rely on having good bosses, the occasional good boss who manages these things and make sure that you know people aren't unduly affected by them. Good on you. I really do think that it does inspire other people uh, to see uh, you know women or people who feel discriminated against persevere through a system. Um, I did want to read this from Rahman actually. So Rahman says, "I'm a certified online." advertiser. I trained 200 Malaysian entrepreneurs. Based on the training, 80% of advertisers use discriminatory practices in their ads. Yes, I agree that these practices should not be normalized, especially on ads. 80% is really high. I mean, mm. I, I assume that that's anecdotal, but still, that that's a lot. And I was thinking about how um, both you and I, Sharmila, said that in the last year that we haven't necessarily identified moments of discrimination towards us. And I'm now actually wondering whether that's because we didn't notice. And I, <laughs> I go back to that point about, uh, about low levels of literacy when it comes to discrimination, because it can come in many forms, right? It can come in the sense that you don't, recognize that what's happening is discrimination, sure. But the other thing is, um, Rahman, I like this use of normalization because I, I do wonder whether it has been normalized to such an extent that unless it is so explicit, right, like and right up in your face, that you just brush it off and forget and then it's like it never happened, even though it totally did. That's exactly what I meant when I said that my conscious mind is saying, I don't think I have. But if I dug deeper, I can think of many things that happen that I probably brush off, quote unquote, because you've just gotten used to these things and you don't even pay attention to them anymore. And I want to say that that's not the ideal. I'm not saying everybody should just learn to brush things off. I really like this one from Shamil because I think it, it opens up a, my favorite phrase, can of worms. Uh, because Shamil says, I have been accused of being discriminatory for saying that I hope my boss hires more men. But I was saying that from the job point of view, because my job requires heavy lifting. We have four ladies, but three of them have back issues and they're no longer able to do that heavy lifting. So am I wrong that I said I wish to have more men? Shamil, that is actually an interesting question. I'm glad that you sent it through. Um, and I think it's also a practical one, right? Because sometimes we get caught up in talking about what should be done, but then you're faced with these sorts of more complicated realities. I am thinking maybe you could have said people who are physically able to do that job and that didn't need to be a woman. But then I'm also wondering whether this comes from, basically, if you've seen four women and they couldn't do the job, then perhaps you kind of start thinking maybe this isn't for them. I don't know. It's a complex one. It, it is complex. And I think that also, um, so I, I'm speaking as somebody who uh, has a hand in hiring. And so because of that, I think that in general, hiring for diversity is broadly a good thing. But when you are hiring with an aim towards diversity, at some point it can look like discrimination, no? Because you are at this point hiring to have a diverse team, which means that if you've already filled um, you know, some slots, you are starting to think about, well, maybe I need to have people of different ages. Maybe I need to have people of, um, maybe we have a team full of women. And at some point you need Opposite problem from Shamil, you need a guy. Uh, maybe we have too many people who are likely going to be off during the same festive periods. So we need to start looking at diversity. But that can look like discrimination as well. Yes, and it is actually something that more and more organizations are learning to contend with because 
alongside the question of creating a diverse workforce is also the question of then how do we decide when that becomes exclusionary? Uh, okay, a couple of people making it uh, more institutional, which I understand, um, especially because, again, our question today, based on a survey that was meant to look at how many Malaysians feel discriminated against, our question is, do you think Malaysia has a serious problem? with discrimination and have you ever felt shut out or like you lost opportunities because of race, religion, gender? Again, if you'd like to weigh in, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note. We love hearing from you. 018-789-8899. You can also tweet us at BFM Radio. So uh, Lam says, I'm discriminated against every day because I'm not Bumiputra. Trevor says, many people have experienced discrimination in Malaysia, whether they realize it or not. We have institutionalized discrimination entrenched in our policies like housing, education quotas, job promotions, especially in government linked GLCs and in the civil service, to name a few. I mean, I think these are these are pain points for many Malaysians, right? I mean, it comes up so often. We also rarely see it being addressed with care or, or uh, concern enough by our politicians. And I think that sometimes feels um, essentially when people speak up about feeling like the system is failing them, they're often told, well, you should be grateful for what you already have. And I don't think that's enough of an answer. Yeah, uh, I think it's also worth looking at how individual discrimination can stem from institutionalized discrimination. Mm -hmm. Because if you grew up in a school setting or if you uh, started working in a work setting in which that's just the norm, then of course that's going to trickle through. I will, however, say, and this is... I. I it's an age-old argument. I wish it were not the, the age-old argument. But of course, the... The other thing people say is that it's the opposite in the private sector. So it really depends, I think, on, on what you have access to and what you end up experiencing. So I think one thing about, well, not just Malaysia, but my experience lies in Malaysia, uh, is that unfortunately, a system that prioritizes particular types of people only creates this sort of thinking and competitive, like not competitiveness, this impulse in everyone, right? Because across the board, it almost becomes normalized for everyone to be discriminatory because it's a sort of like, well, you do it to me, so I'll do it to somebody else. Um, before we, we take a quick break, right, there are some messages that are more talking about the uh, more social or even socializing aspects of the workplace, which, again, is one of the places in which people experience discrimination the most. People said social media, 32%, looking for a job, 30%, and mm -hmm. at work, they experience discrimination, 29%. So Madi says, during my early career moments, I was discriminated against because I didn't go pubbing as I don't drink. That's so interesting, Madi. And, and, you know, this is something that many people talk about, um, how so much of your work connections are done in particular social settings. And if you don't do those things, if you don't uh, drink or maybe if you don't call for that, you lose out on those opportunities. Uh, or depending on the, the company, if you don't smoke. Yes. Yeah. Uh, less now, I think, um, because smoking, the, the well, the sentiment around it, shall we say, has changed quite a bit. But um, it used to be that so much happened, so much discussion happened uh, in spaces like the golf course or like yeah. the pub or like the smoking corner that if you're not there, that 
you just don't get access to it. So uh, let us know. Discrimination is the topic of today. Do you think our country has a serious problem with it? Um, and have you ever felt shut out or like you lost opportunities because of your race, your religion or your gender? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. You can drop us a WhatsApp there as well, and tweet us at BFM Radio. Boyish forty-something millionaires. BFM. 89.9. BFM 89.9. It's 6.54. You're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Charmila. And today we're talking about discrimination because a study, the 2023 Malaysian Discrimination Situation Survey, uh, found, among other things, that 64% of Malaysians say they have experienced discrimination in the past year. We want to hear from you. Do you think our country has a serious problem with the issue of discrimination? And have... What's your experience? Have you ever felt shut out or like you lost opportunities because of race, religion, gender? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, back to the messages. I think we are starting to get some voice notes as well, but still lots and lots of thoughts coming through. So Hesam says, um, I am a foreigner, uh, an expatriate living in Malaysia for the past 14 years from the time I've studied here till I got, uh, still I started working and got married. I've faced discrimination over the past 14 years from my workplace, from government agencies, from banks, from the insurance company, because of the country where I'm born, they judge me because I'm a passport holder of my country. I'm a taxpayer, and yet, but I'm yet to have proper insurance or bank accounts, nor get any benefits from my company during my career because of my race. Hey, Sam, um, earlier we heard from, I think, um, Amira, and, and we said that people would be nodding along. Absolutely. I, 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 can, I, just, I can just see people's heads bobbing um, listening to her. And I feel the same way about your point. I, I, I think that it's a sadly common experience, particularly particularly for people who live and work here and uh, and have lived and worked here for a significant amount of time and yet continue to feel as if in many ways the country is not that interested. And a great example of how systemic systemically so exclusionary policies and a system that is exclusionary can then breed uh, discriminatory attitudes as well um, and how the two are interlinked. Uh, we have Fadzli who says, since it was so long ago, I can't be sure if it was discrimination or not. When I was in primary school, I was picked on and beaten up more than others because I was both fat and very fluent in English. And I remember the teachers being biased against me, punishing me even when I got beaten up for, and I quote, fighting. Um, again, I'm not sure if it was discrimination or if everyone were just jerks. Uh, I do recall a teacher commenting that I was not Malay enough. You know, Fadzli, if it's because of your appearance, if it's because of your race, um, if it's because you were different, I would call that discrimination. And I'm sorry that you went through that. Uh, I think so, too, especially if you if you all these years later. So can still point out the exact points of difference that you felt from the people around you. Right. Whether it was language, whether it was appearance, uh, we 
I wanted to spend a bit of time on appearance because actually it's coming through and, and I, mm. I'm not surprised. Uh, Lim says, discrimination comes in many forms. Tall, handsome guys get paid better than short and um, less good looking ones. Young and pretty women are hired more as relationship managers than guys. Back in my time in a big corporate, people who are English educated and overseas graduated were more favoured. They get promoted faster compared to Chinese ed and local grads and it's not necessarily because they were more capable. It's just that they had more favour or help or guides or mentors compared to other groups. Oh, there's so much there to talk about, right? Yes, on the one hand, um, appearance and how that can be uh, people can apply that sort of discrimination pretty very privilege. openly. Yeah, 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 pretty privilege. And it's very open, right? Like a lot of times people don't even pretend that that's not the reason. That's the reason. But the point about how um, having certain kind of backgrounds can then put you in touch with certain kind of contacts and certain networks, and then that becomes a discriminatory practice is actually a more um, subtle one, right? Because on the one hand, people say, oh, that person just has better contacts. But then the contacts comes from being from a, a certain system that gives you certain privileges. Well, um, I mean, even access into that system could have come from privilege, right? Yes. The, the fact that you grew up speaking English because um, all sorts of reasons. But the point is, um, Lim, I'm glad that you, you brought those up. And I'm actually really grateful to everybody for pointing out the subtleties because mm. in a survey, in a survey form, it's very easy for things to get flattened out. That is the nature of surveys and it's fine. Um, but it is actually in personal stories that you get a better grip on what what people feel, um, how people feel about discrimination and the many small ways in which it shows up. Um, so I'm grateful to everybody for pointing these things out. We also have, let's see, uh, Munif saying, when I'm the only Malay guy in a meeting and everyone else is speaking not in Bahasa or English, a common discrimination in my industry, to which I will rectify instantaneously by speaking up in my thick Uttara Bahasa accent <laughs> so that the room gets the memo. I also don't allow my colleagues to ramble on in Bahasa when a meeting I chair has people who are not that fluent in it or international people. A little observation and respect is all. Munif, um, this annoys me to no end. I remember it happening to me in my college days quite a bit. And I would actually just say, I'm sorry, I don't actually understand what anyone is saying. Um, and then I realized that everyone gets sort of a little confronted and, and then switches. But I never understand why people think this is okay. Sometimes I just think they, they're they normal. I mean, they, they, they think it's normal and they don't think about the other person. Either way, deeply uncool. Um, and I think thick Uttara Bahasa accent will do the trick every single time. Uh, keep those thoughts coming about discrimination. What's your experience with it? You can call 7733-2900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Bribe-free ministers? BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 7.08 and this is Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. We've been discussing the 2023 Malaysian Discrimination Situation Survey, which was conducted by the Architects of Diversity Malaysia, finding that 64% of Malaysians say that they have experienced discrimination in the last year. Now, our colleagues over on The Bigger Picture are going to be doing a more in-depth look at the survey with Architects of Diversity, but uh, we wanted to get a sense of what people's experiences have in fact been. Um, and that's what we've been doing on the show today. So the survey looks at uh, five different types of discrimination, socioeconomic status, your age, ethnicity, your religious faith and your gender. And so we wanted to know, do you think Malaysia has a 
serious problem with discrimination? Have you ever felt, I don't know, shut out or like you lost opportunities because of your race, your religion and your gender? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, we actually have a voice note that came in. This is from someone who wanted to remain anonymous. Hi, um, I think our country um, and also perhaps like other Asian and <laughs> traditional countries have a very, very serious problem in terms of discrimination towards married women. You know, we have such a high standards for women in order to be called a perfect wife, a perfect mom, even though they're trying their best in uh, to, in order to like excel in work, in workplace. So yeah, I don't know when this is going to end, honestly, because it just doesn't make sense. You're working the same hours or even more with your husband but at the same time you're expected to you know cook and even do house chores as a basic standard in order to be uh, seen as a you know um, average wife and meanwhile a husband can just wash the dish and people would praise them I mean I am not speaking of my husband bless him he's such a very understanding husband it's just that it stresses me so much whenever I talk to families or even friends that see those as the standards and like the significant thing that I have to do as a wife so perhaps it's like something that we're dealing with especially because just 30 50 years ago a lot of women I mean majority of women weren't working and now that we're shifting towards like more working population among women I really hope to see that this ends soon Anon, thank you so much for sending that through and for speaking truths that's that's what I'll say and leave it at that speaking hardcore truths Earlier, Lynn, you were saying that what's frustrating is when you hear people say this and it's neither surprising nor um, unfamiliar. And I found myself nodding um, throughout that voice note. Um, and again, I actually think that the reason why personal experiences are so important is because they, they allow you to talk about the, the gaps in the system, right? Um, because on the one hand, you have the informal expectations and structures that you know, in a marriage, in a family, men do this, women do this. But on the other hand, you also have workplace policies that don't make it easier for married women, women with children uh, to work and also have a balanced family life. Uh, I would actually go on to say that there are also people who will still outright ask, um, so you just got married, is it? Uh, are you planning to have a child anytime yes, soon? Yes, exactly. And, you know, it's so it's not just that you have people who feel, um, as Anon does, that the household expectations are high. I think the other side of it is also that it's not just that companies, and not all companies, again, of course not all companies, um, it's not just that companies might not be encouraging of you working. It may also be that there's discrimination because you're a working wife, mm -hmm. working mother, uh, whatever it may be. Um, okay, we have this from... We have a lot of anonymous messages. <laughs> uh, let's start with this one who says, as a non-Malay Muslim convert, I have definitely experienced discrimination in one way or another. My own race think I sold out my heritage for material gains. Uh, likewise, some Bumiputra Muslims also think so. Being a female worker with no paper qualification except a lifetime of working experience, my salary is lower than a male colleague of the same status or an inexperienced fresh grad who then still needs help and guidance even after a couple of years. Um, then there's this discrimination when I don't keep past the supervisors, increment is less, um, 
promotion slow, despite having shared knowledge and helped some of these promising young newcomers. But I suppose my worth has outweighed the prejudices against me since I'm still on the payroll and I have many true friends who are colorblind and know that I do not have any ulterior motive in choosing to be a Muslim in Malaysia. Anand, you know, you highlight a number of different ways in which people can be discriminated against there, right? Um, and actually what's interesting also is how um, that thing that you said right at the beginning of the show, Lynn, that people from every faith felt that they were discriminated against. And I think that's really interesting because I do think that there are things that people face who are different from us that we don't realize, but are no less difficult to deal with. Uh, well, not just difficult, right? It's also about how keenly felt Yes, a lot of these are. Pe- people are saying like, we're getting stories from people from the start of their working lives. So we're getting mm-hmm. stories from people um, in primary school. So these are clearly long held, like long gestating scars. And I'm not surprised. Um, Anon says, on a lighter beat, my mom managed to transform her supposed discrimination into a sort of benefit when filling up the family car tank. At the petrol stations, she allows the attendants to open the tank door and pump the petrol. They assume that she, an elderly lady who drives a large family car, does not know how to do it herself. I did ask her why she doesn't do it. Uh, She just jokingly replies that the stereotype assumption allows her to be safe sitting in the car. So no harm pretending to be a lady who doesn't know automotive stuff as long as she's not deliberately hurting anyone. (laughs) Well, yes. Well, sometimes you can make the system work for you, I suppose. Well, the other thing is I've heard people also, well, uh, do the same thing and then say, yeah, but I'm keeping them employed. I'm keeping people employed because now they they have a task that needs doing. Um, I, on a personal level, don't love being waited on at a petrol station. I always tip when I get waited on, but I don't love the the experience. This is a sidebar. Yeah, no, I do as well. Actually, this perhaps is a discussion for another day. I often fall on the side of, I think they want to be seen to be doing a job. And so... um, I'm happy to let them, but I do usually tip and it makes me a little uncomfortable. The whole process, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's just a thing. But I'm glad, Anon, that um, your mom <laughs> has found a way to make that work. On the subject of religion, Kenneth says, I had a training coach back in a company I worked for who... Um, mocked me in front of all my colleagues for being a Christian, that I would be a pastor in the future. It was one of the worst discriminations I faced in my career life. That sounds really tough. Um, You know, I I actually think that a lot of these things happening in a workplace is particularly difficult to contend with because a a job is something people very often need. And then you're put in the difficult position of having to decide whether this sort of discrimination is just something you need to put up with because you can't afford to give up your job. To be frank, um, I think the other thing is also, because Kenneth, when I when I see your message, a part of me thinks, how do you prepare for that? How do you go into yes. a job thinking, oh, I, I need to act as if, or I need to know that at any moment somebody could be offended uh, by my religion or by my my age or gender or whatever. And of course, um, going in with a defensive mode is partly what creates discrimination to begin with. But um, I bring this up because I would never have imagined, Kenneth, that you would walk into your workplace and experience that. And I think that that adds to the shock when it happens, that feeling of what just happened to me? Yes, um, I can see that. And, and you're right that this notion of how does one even prepare to handle this? I actually don't know. We're asking you today about discrimination because 64% of Malaysians, according to a new survey, um, 
say that they have experienced discrimination um, in the last year. And we want to know, what does this mean? What are your thoughts on this? Do you think Malaysia has a serious problem with discrimination? What's your experience with it? Have you ever felt discriminated against? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back for more of the discussion right after this. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Because friends matter. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 7.19 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And today we're asking you, uh, do you think that our country has a problem when it comes to discrimination? Have you ever experienced it? Uh, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, we're closing out the conversation now with the last round of messages and thoughts. So I wanted to read this from Kamaran Nizam because again, um, complicated questions. So Kamaran says, sometimes we ask women if they plan to get married or have a child because we want to plan ahead, not so much to discriminate. We even ask guys the same question. So I find it discriminating when you gals find this question discriminating. So Kamaran, now, I'm glad to hear that you ask men the question as well. Um, that's one way of equalizing it. But I think in many situations, women often find that they are left out of things like promotions and jobs and so on if they say they're planning to get married or have a child. And that's when it becomes discriminatory. Yeah, so I I think I knew <laughs> actually when I brought up that example uh, that this, this may be the response. And that's fair. I mean, we heard earlier on from, uh, I believe it was Shamil, who said that some Sometimes when you like he's asking his he's asking for more men to be hired and that's because his job requires more physical strength and so is that discrimination and I understand how it comes across I think that the problem is when the question has traditionally been discriminatory um, it's hard to it's hard to separate the part where you're actually just trying to be practical yes. even though I I completely see where you're coming from and I think from a management point of view. Who doesn't want to know in order to be able to plan? Um, the, the sad part is that in many instances, people aren't just being practical. They, they plan, therefore, to exclude. And that's when, mm -hmm. you know, to your point. Um, a number of people actually bringing up some very specific kinds of discrimination. So Isa says, growing up, the extended family would get overly excited when my half white cousins showed up during Raya. I'm half Chinese. Today, my daughter sees my wife's extended family rolling out the red carpet for her half white cousins again. Anyway, I've since deliberately chosen Asian brands, products, vendors over Caucasian ones, Asics over Nike, Japanese Korean cars over European makes and so on. Pandang Timo, guys. <laughs> um, Isa, I this is something that I uh, it has been late in my life as well that I for a very long time did not notice how Hollywoodized um, many of our experiences can be right, and it takes you a mm. little while to to recognize that hey, actually, why am I choosing this over this? So I like, I I, I really appreciate the message. I think that it's an interesting one. It's, so it's not just welcoming family. Yeah? I'm assuming that the half-white family gets a different greeting, judging from the tone of this. No, I think so. And then, you know, you often see this, right? The um, assumption that if you have some sort of 
Western lineage, white lineage in particular, that it somehow makes you better. And it, of course, comes from all these complex questions around fairer skin and colonialism and privilege and so on. But it's just not cool. Lah. Um, Mario says discrimination is very subtle and hidden. For example, age discrimination. You apply for a job, you don't get a reply. Yeah, I mean, I think. And again, these are situations where you're just like, what actually happened? Is this discrimination? Was there some other thing going on? And it can be very tough to put a finger on. Yeah, and, and that applies across the board um, because, of course, it's also down to what kind of responses people owe you. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, or, or how it gets hidden. Corporate speak does a lot. I think uh, corporate speak can hide all manner of sin. We have also this from um, Lynn uh, KCLC, who says work bully is another term. Um, it's definitely happened to me. It's not just work related. It's even an area where someone new uh, gets bullied by their senior. This is interesting, right? Because um, earlier when Fadzli said, talked about his school experience and said, I'm not sure whether that was discrimination. Um, firstly, Lynn, you know, it's unpleasant, whatever you choose to call it. It, it shouldn't be treated this way. But um, when does bullying and discrimination like, where is the line that separates them? Is bullying always driven by discrimination, for instance? Well, I think discrimination has to have a basis, mm. right? Because bullying... Sometimes yes, people bullying bully. can be about power dynamics. Yeah. It can be, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you people bully get, just to bully. Exactly. But then you can also get bullied because of something discriminatory. Uh, we have Danny who says, I'm a Malaysian Chinese here who also happens to be a banana. Uh, my family that I grew up in is quite Anglophile. We consumed a mixture of Chinese and Western media. Um, I've gone to a national school all my life. My saving grace is having the ability to converse in Cantonese and write my own name. Till this day, I still get disparaging remarks from Chinese educated people that I'm not pure Chinese simply because I can't speak Mandarin properly nor read and write Chinese. Mm. This is, yeah, you know, I find that these sorts of things can often be particularly difficult to deal with because it, it almost calls into question your identity and your right to be somewhere, right? Your right to call yourself something. Uh, yes, but I'm glad, Danny, that you shared this because we always, uh, because we heard earlier from the other side of the equation, uh, which yes. were people who said that Anglophile raised folks, people who are English, people who are fluent in English, people who um, have that kind of appearance, therefore get better opportunities. We have um, Ape Panda on Twitter saying, my very first job after graduation 10 plus years ago was for a Canadian property development company. All the white men looked down and treated the Malaysian staff like they were lesser. My second job's direct manager was also an ultra racist person. I'm Chinese Malaysian. That's unfortunate. Yeah, I, I think that that's really unfortunate, especially... Because in theory, working for an international company should give you a different le level of exposure, right? Mm -hmm. It shouldn't just be an exacerbation of existing problems <laughs> with, with new people. Um, let's see what else we've got. Uh, Liana says... Hmm. I always experience mild discrimination when I balik kampung with my mom. Uh, by her family, I'm a pan-Asian Malay who grew up in KL. I look more Chinese than what is considered a normal Malay uh, look. This week, they called me by a new term, orang corporate. Uh, I was totally taken aback by that. At work, I experienced discrimination once. Um, my former foreign executive kept reminding me that I'm quote-unquote not Malay enough to understand the target audience. Ah, yeah, says the foreigner, kan? Kena sabar 
Yeah, that sounds really frustrating, Liana. And again, I think it's it's this whole, what is Malay enough? What is Chinese enough? Who gets to decide these things? Uh, and conversely, I will tell actually, you, not foreigners. Yeah, Sorry, exactly. but, but just outright, I think the, I can say the, that. The, 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 the cherry on that was actually that someone else trying to decide what it was. Keep those thoughts coming. Um, we're asking you whether you've ever felt discriminated against. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back for more of the discussion right after this. Keep it here, BFM eighty nine point nine. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.